Hello and welcome to Journeying Through the Scriptures podcast, a podcast where we walk through God's Word together. Today we continue our journey through the book of Ezra. Alright, today we are in Ezra chapters 4 and chapters 5. If we could come up with a theme for chapters 4 and 5 of Ezra, it would be do not stop doing what God has called you to do even when opposition arises. So we jump into chapter 4, and Ezra starts off by saying, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses, and they said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do. And we have not been sacri- or we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Ashuradan, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Now, before we dive too deeply into it, let's look at what's happening here. First, we see that first and foremost, Ezra announces these people who are coming to the leaders of Judah as adversaries. So he already picks them as they are those who are coming against the work of the Lord. They are not coming to help. And that's interesting because when you look at it, it says, let us build with you for we worship the same God as you do. But obviously Ezra is not fooled by this. Now, again, here's the time skip thing. Ezra is not actually a part of this group. He's reflecting back. So reflecting back in hindsight, he says they were adversaries and they are coming to trick the people of of Judah, and saying, let us build with you, even though they are actually against them. Now, they probably heard the cheering and the rejoicing from chapter 3, because again, chapter 3 ends with a great, they, they shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. And so now they approach the people of Israel and Judah and Jerusalem, and they, they kind of say, let's, let's build with you. They come under the guise of help. And how often in life does the enemy walk up and say, I'm the enemy? It doesn't really happen. Our enemy, our sinful flesh and demonic forces, often come in the form of aid. You're stressed out. Let me help you. You're disappointed. Let me help you feel better. And so on. Yet we must take a lesson from the leaders of Israel here. The enemy will never really help. Those people who came as adversaries were not necessarily really wanting to help build because they worshiped God as as the people of Israel do. Part of it was this. They wanted influence. They helped build the temple. They get to influence the worship. It's a straight lie that would say that we, for we worship God as you do. They do not worship God as the people of Israel do. That's a falsehood. They are lying to them, but the leaders pick up on this. Because but Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses of Israel say to them, you have no part in, in building this house to God, but we alone will build it to the Lord, a God of Israel, as the king of King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land... These are the people that came up to say, hey, let us build with you. How do they respond? They discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purposes all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius 
king of Persia. Now watch this. This is one of those time jumps. And in the reign of Asherus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, you might stop and wonder, who is Asherus? Asherus comes after Darius. Asherus is king when Ezra is around. So this accusation is not written by the people of the land to discourage them from building the temple. It's actually a time jump into Ezra's audience's day, the audience he's writing to, and he's saying, just as they did here, they they also wrote a letter to discourage us. And interestingly, in verse 7, we have, in the days of Artaxerxes. So even more interesting, he jumps again. This letter that we have is not the letter that was written to discourage the people from building the temple. We have to ask, what's going on here? With this time jumping between three different kings, we have, you know, obviously Cyrus dies, the Darius becomes the new king, but then we have Asherus, and then we have Artaxerxes also listed. Why is he jumping? Is he making mistakes in his writing? And I would have to answer that with a no, because Ezra knows what he's doing. In fact, I want you to see in chapters 4 through 6, as he does this in the next three chapters. Now, we're only covering two of those today. But in those three chapters, he jumps back and forth, not because he's forgetting names or misplacing names, but it's a beautiful point that he's making, and we're going to get to that. But before we do that, let's go back and recap what Ezra is saying in the first part of chapter 4. They were in, so we would ask the question, how did they catch this plot to build with them and to manipulate the worship in the, the temple? Well, they were in the right worship of God. The enemy attacks more effectively when we are far from God. So we must both be spiritually aware of our enemies, but more importantly, seeking true worship of God. So it would lead, this, this reading today should lead you to ask, how was my worship? Number two, they knew their mission well. Do you know yours? So in four through six, unfortunately, uh, we see them kind of fall away from that, but at least in, chap- in verses three, they say, no, 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 King Cyrus sent us to build, and we're going to build. So the people then set about discouraging. As we said, the theme and the big idea of these two chapters are don't stop doing the will of God even when opposition arises, because opposition will arise. And in verse 4, it arises. We read that. Unfortunately, after the initial success, the enemy does succeed in more direct attacks. So they come under the guise of help first, and then they directly discourage. They discouraged, they made afraid, and they frustrated the purposes of Judah. The result was a, a stall in the building of the temple. Though they had the green light from Cyrus, it took until Darius. Our enemy uses similar tools to similar effect, they will discourage you, they will attack you, they will make you afraid. How will you respond? Ezra time skips now to Asherus to say the enemy continued after Darius. He's jumping ahead of the story. The temple's built during Darius's time. Now he jumps into another time to say it didn't stop there. Even when the temple was finished, in chapter 6 we'll see it finished, and Ezra says even though it was finished, the enemy doesn't stop. Ezra skips into his timeline and the current problem. They too had an adversary discouraging them from building the walls of the city. We'll see this more fleshed out in Nehemiah. 
They, were, they wrote a letter to the king, these adversaries did, to stop their work, just like the people building the temple experienced opposition, so did the people building the walls. And so do we. We experience this opposition. It comes in many forms. And here Ezra is pointing to the fact that it appeared twice in a written letter. They wrote to Cyrus and then to Darius and then to Asherus for different purposes, but the same adversary, stopping the same mission to build. And we too will get discouragement. We too will get people going behind our backs, doing whatever they can to stop the work of God in our lives. How do we respond? How we respond is, in fact, very important. We must wait until chapters 5 and chapter 6 to see the temple resolution. Uh, So we must ask, how did they overcome the enemy? How did Ezra overcome the enemy? How do we overcome the enemy? And the spoiler is this. The answer is the same for all. The power of God must accomplish this. It's not the power of you. It's the power of God. Our ultimate enemy is sin, and it had to be defeated through Christ on a cross. So when you're reading chapters 4 and you're asking, where is Jesus? It's the fact that we cannot defeat the enemy that we face today without Christ on the cross, and that temple had to be built so that Christ could be there and and be accused and, and be convicted of a crime he didn't commit, so that he could be crucified on a cross, so that he could die for our sins, and we could be forgiven, and the ultimate enemy of sin and death be defeated. We rest in the fact that God came down in the person of Jesus to rescue us from hell and to build a people, and he's building a kingdom. Don't stop the kingdom work. The the kingdom will be built by the power of God through the power of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes things happen and make us wonder what God is doing. I'm sure we've all asked this in verses 17 through 24 of chapter 4. We certainly get that. Sometimes those things happen. Let's look at what happens. The king sends his answer to the letter they wrote, which basically accuses them of trying to rebel against the king. And he says to Rahum, the commander of Shishimashai, the scribe, and to the rest of their associates who live in Samaria and the rest of the province of beyond the river. That's kind of where the opposition comes from, this beyond the river group. And he basically says, I make a decree, and the search has been made and has been found that this city of old has risen against the kings, and there's rebellion. And verse 21, therefore make a decree that these men cease, they stop. So the official command comes to stop the building of the walls of Jerusalem for a second. So we would ask, what is God doing? Where was God in this? And certainly the people thought God would move the heart of the king. He's done it before. And yet the king favored the opposition. What happened? What's going on? We have many of these situations in our lives as well. Why does God allow hardship? In this story, the king ceases the work of God among Judah. But when these situations arise, we must remember. What do we do? We must remember that God is the true king, not the king of Syria, not the president of the United States, not the king or president of whatever country it is. God is the true king. He's our true king. Though earthly kings may oppose us, we serve a mightier king, a greater king. And we must sit back and be faithful to see what God will do. And Ezra's solution is to look back. That's why he jumps back into the story of the rebuilding of the temple. 
This is why he time skips in chapters 4, 5, and 6, because he's saying, yes, we're facing opposition. Yes, the king himself said, stop, but we faced opposition in rebuilding the temple. And guess what? God moved. It was done. It was completed. In verse 24, notice the time jump back to the temple. We discover the building had stopped due to the opposition all the way into the second year of King Darius. But we know from that line alone that something changed because it was finished. The opposition did not win, and it will not win. God, through his power, will win. For us, Christ is our victory. Though it seems like the opposition is winning, and though it seemed like the opposition was winning with Christ, he overcame. Through Christ we do too. We will overcome. There's hope beyond our opposition. So we jump in to chapter 5, and it says, Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Idu, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetil and Jeshua, son of Zodak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God. So what is Ezra's solution? How does God move in his people to overcome the opposition to the temple? Now again, we time skip at the end of chapter 4 to Ezra's current problem. Now we jump back to the temple and he says, the prophets arose and they prophesied. God moved his people to speak and the leaders listened and the leaders said, we will build. Ezra reminds his readers and it reminds us that God was over them not the people beyond the river, not even Darius. It was God and God alone. And we must remember in our trials, no one on this earth is over us. Not our enemies, not our leaders, no opposition. God is over us, speaking through us. And and with God, we will not fail. Notice the opposition seeks to stop Judah from building the temple. But the people of God were looking to God and listening because the prophets were speaking, and they did not stop, even when the threats rose. So here they, the opposition goes back to their old games. So let me break this down in sort of the easiest way that I can. I'm going to sort of tell you the story and paraphrase, but I encourage you to go back and read it. They send a letter to Darius, basically trying to stop the people. So uh, connect that with the letter sent to Asherius, the king. Ezra connects those two letters And he says, look what God did with Darius. So the people beyond the river send a letter to Darius asking him to stop, telling him to look back at the history of the people and and all the things that they had done and the rebellious nature they had. And he says they're rebuilding and they're going to wind up if you don't stop them building this temple. And they're going to rebel with it. And Darius looks back, but what he finds is the command of Cyrus to go and to build it. And so in this reversal, their letter to stop them turns into Darius's command to let them build. In fact, he doesn't just say that. He says, hey, beyond the river, you're going to supply them everything they need. So it's, it's ironic that in chapter 4, they come and they, they say, hey, let us help you build. But the people of God say no. And now Darius is saying, no, you'll help them build by providing all the materials for free of no cost to them. And interestingly enough, one of the things they provide are the things, the items, the animals for the sacrifices we'll see in chapter 6 when the temple is finished. 
And it's this beautiful twist of irony, and it turns the story on its head, and it says that God will win. And as I read this, I ended with a little prayer, and I'm going to read it to you, and this is how we'll end our episode today. And I said, Oh God, move my heart. Let me do what you have called me to do. Your eyes are on me, and I cannot fail, for you are with me. I am yours. Let me, with renewed strength, pursue my calling. You will not fail, and I must trust in you. Thank you for listening to Journeying Through the Scriptures podcast. I look forward as we continue our journey through the book of Ezra next time.